We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Maps Step Back podcast. Let me step back for a minute, tired of the gimmicks, see we just focused on winning. Ball in the airline center, we bout to get litty. Luca carrying a torch, Borden jumped up off the porch. How you reckon with his force? Third season in the game, and he a legend by his fourth. Look, after dirt, now the king of Dallas. Airline serving as the palace. Young team, and it's full of talent. One revenge, we accept the challenge. Luca carrying a legacy. What it take to be an MVP? Being great, know it cost a fee. Know it Really ain't that hard to see. Hold on, wait. Silence the critics, cause they never did it. Pass out Jordan, I ain't woke up the city. Map shooting hot like we straight out the chimney. Go back to Batman, I'm calling them Drizzy. Mo triple doubles, I'm waiting on 50. Step back smoother, you know it's so filthy. If I get down on my team, gonna lift me. Rep the map, step back. Overcame the setbacks. Starting where we left at. Know we gotta get back. Know we gotta get back. Rep the map, step back. Overcame the setbacks. Starting where we left at. Know we gotta get back. Like, know we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, uh, Matt Galatson and Grant Afseth. Uh, guys, the Mavs, they they seem to be done for the time being. Uh, I know there's some stuff floating around on, on Mavs Twitter. Uh, the, the biggest thing I've seen floating around today is uh, rumbles about uh, Lori Markinen, but I mean, honestly, I, I haven't seen anything linking the Mavs to him other than that one report from Kevin O'Connor. So I, I feel like it's 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 more speculation than anything else. Uh, but that that's the only thing I've seen so far is just that one report. So I think it's mainly just you know hope, <laughs> hope that uh you know something can happen and give the Mavs Mavs fans something to be excited about since it's been very quiet. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to run through what the Mavs have done, and then we're going to just kind of give our grades for each individual move. And then overall we can discuss, you know, whether we're uh, happy or disappointed with, with the overall results based on what, you know, uh, what Mark Cuban said is the expectations. Uh, 
But let's start with Tim Hardaway Jr. Because it was it was expected that the Mavs would bring him back. We didn't know at what number. We didn't know how many years, but we knew it was it was likely that he came back. And he ended up signing for a four-year deal worth $74 million, which uh, given some projections from people on salary ranges for him, that was like under what people expected as far as the yearly average. And the way the contract is likely to be constructed, uh, his first year of the deal is going to be worth like $16 million or a little bit over that. So overall, I thought that was a great deal. Uh, I like the length of the deal because Timmy's still in his prime. Uh, he was he was arguably the Mavs' second best player last year, and as as Matt and I have talked about uh, a month ago, that's not ideal. We don't, uh, you know, if KP plays to his capabilities, you know what he's supposed to be. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at most should be your third best player, but you know he's good. He, he's shot nearly forty percent last two years. Obviously, playing with Luca helps. Uh, he's improved his dribbling. You know, he he's able to create a little bit more for himself, and his drives to the basket are nice. Uh, he's become he's become kind of an underrated defender. He's not a great defender, but he's not you know a swinging door like he was in New York either. Uh, so I, I really like that deal for the Mavs, and I think he can be a a really key piece going forward for them. It's just a matter of what what can you get from KP if you keep him on the roster and if the Mavs will ever be able to, uh, you know, get a true second star next to Luka, whether it's KP living up to expectations or they, they end up trading for somebody or, you know, free agency down the line, which doesn't seem, <laughs> which doesn't seem very likely. Uh, so I, I think the trade route's the best way to go there. But anyway... Matt, we'll start with you. I mean, how do you feel about the Tim Hardaway Jr. sign? Uh, I, I feel really good about it. I mean, he's their second best player right now, and he, you know, he's on a great deal, uh, a lot less than what people expected. Um, you know, it, it's hard to complain about bringing him back, uh, especially based on what else they did. Um, that's probably their best signing of the offseason. Uh, but it's, you know, I think it's a big deal. If, if they were able to get something else around him, that would have been preferable. But, um, you know, as of right now, he's their second best scorer and uh, to have him on a team friendly deal is pretty, pretty big. Grant, what do you, what do you think about the Tim Hardaway Jr. signing? I know you've put some stuff out on Twitter. Yeah, I thought it was a very strong value for his contract. And I thought another factor that was intriguing about it was just the fact that New Orleans threw extra money at him and he decided they wanted to stay in Dallas. Like, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, who wants to come play in Dallas, but it's also intriguing when guys want to stay in Dallas. Yeah, that was, that was, that's a really good point because it was reported that the Pelicans threw four years, 88 million at him, <laughs> and he turned it down. So uh, he, he was offered 14 million more from the Pelicans, and he said, no, nah, I'm going to stay in Dallas with Luca. So, that's always encouraging. Uh, I mean, like I said, he, he's a great – he's their, arguably their second best player last year. Uh, he's very talented. He's a good three-point shooter. He's improved all the way around. Uh, and, I mean, he's a, good, he's a good culture guy too. I mean, everybody, at least from my perspective, uh, Mavs fans seem to love the guy. Uh, I, I like him as well. I mean, I think he just – he fits so well. He, 
for a guy who was initially viewed as the tax on that KP trade to, to turn into what he has so far is just incredible for me. So I, I really like it. Uh, moving on, we're not going to talk too much about the Boban re-signing because, I mean, let's let's be real, that was that was re-signing him because he's Luca's best friend pretty much. Uh, but you know, he, <laughs> he's, he's kind of like one of those players where in case of emergency, break the glass and he can give you something in limited minutes. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at the Boban signing at all, but you know, it just wasn't really, wasn't really something that moved the needle for me per se. So, uh, moving on to the next one, some of the actual, uh, or the two only actual new signings, you have Reggie Bullock. Uh, who the Mavs got from New York, three years, $10 million per year. So three years, $30 million overall. Uh, I, think he, I think he was a 41% three-point shooter last season, and he was even better from the corners, like 46% corner three-point shooter, which was third best in the league last year for at least 120 three-point attempts from the corners. So uh, really encouraged by that signing. I know it's not flashy like everybody was hoping for, but I mean, <laughs> the Mavs went out and signed him and uh, Sterling Brown, and they, uh, given their three-point percentages from last season, that would put them atop uh, the Mavs roster as far as being best three-point shooters. And then uh, I know Reggie Bullock, he can play some defense too. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about Sterling Brown on that end, and the Brown deal is not official yet. Uh, it, it will be, but you know, it's just, they're, they're, they're not official yet. Apparently Tim Hardaway Jr. Isn't either, but I think it's just a matter of, you know, when they can get it done. He may not have been in town. We know Mark Cuban and the rest of the front office, Dirk and, uh, Jason Kidd and, uh, Nico Harrison, you know, they're supposedly all going to, uh, Slovenia to offer Luca his $207, uh, five-year max contract. So, it may be a little bit before we get official word on some of these, but anyway, Matt, I'm going to start with you because I know you may have to go here in a little bit. What do you think about the Reggie Bullock signing? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going to take both the Reggie Bullock signing and the Sterling Brown signing at once. Uh, I've only got a few minutes left, so I'm just going to kind of get my thoughts out there if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so in a vacuum, the signing of those guys is fine. I like it. Shooters, um, you know, Bullock can play defense. They're probably already going to be the best two shooters on the Mavs uh, from three-point range, like you said, you know, just given the percentages. Um, that's all fine and good. That's, you know, that's that, those are good things. Um, what I'm frustrated about is that, you know, it, we, we've talked about this all offseason, and – really over the last few years. And it, it's one of those things where we're, we're just going to be continually frustrated and continually frustrated because despite all the changes and all of the, all of the hoopla around Nico Harrison and all the stuff around Jason Kidd and all the connections and all that stuff, they still, still just signed a couple of role players and, you know, that was it. They, they talked a bunch of game about, getting a secondary scorer and, you know, they signed a couple of players that averaged eight points a game. Well, they see, about- just uh, not to cut you off, but when you say they, I mean, you, you basically mean Mark Cuban. Yes. 
that's yes, of course. I mean, Mark makes all the decisions. That's why nothing is different. Uh, they talked about needing a, a secondary ball handler, and they saw they signed uh, Bobon two wings. I mean, they're rostering six bigs. They need a secondary ball handler, but they decided it was important to bring back Bobon and trade for another big. Um, and it it just none of it really makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, there's connections to to Goron, but they're not doing anything about it. There's there's nothing being done on that front. There's nothing. They're, they're being, you know, they, they don't want to give up any assets like Dwight Powell, who's the sixth big on this team, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And they, they won't even consider giving him up, apparently, for to, in a trade for Goron. So, I mean, like, what are they doing? People like people like Coop are, are out there uh, throwing shade at all the Mavs Twitter fans who are frustrated, but we have a right to be frustrated. Like, yeah, it, 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 yeah. it doesn't make sense to me that... that that you can uh, that you can look down and and, and be so passive aggressive against Mavs fans for being frustrated when it's really been a decade of this. You know, talking about signing a big guy, making moves preemptively to sign a big guy, and then signing two players who average eight points a game. It's it's just it's maddening to me. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, we we do a lot of pipe dreaming stuff on this podcast, and I've seen some people come out and be like, "Oh, well, you guys, you, you kind of set the expectations way too high." No, I mean, we're we're pretty clear about when we talk about scenarios like that that they are pipe dreams. We say it from the very beginning. This is not likely, but. It's it's nice to just talk about different scenarios, and then if they do happen, it's like, oh well, how could they happen? Well, uh, let, let me add one more thing, real quick, in, in regards to that before you continue. Sorry to cut you off, but I've only got like a couple more minutes, um, and I just want to say one more thing. It, I, I like the pipe dream stuff is is just that it's a pipe dream, you know. It's it's that's why we label it a pipe dream. That's why you know we we never get our hopes up too much about a guy like Kawhi. But it's it's the, it's the comments that Mark Cuban says every offseason or in you know in past it's been Donnie Nelson as well. Stop saying you're going to chase big guys when you're too cheap to, cheap to chase the big guys. If you're not going to be aggressive, then don't say you're going to be aggressive. That's what's frustrating everybody. It's not the fact that they're not signing people. It's the fact that they're saying they're going to try to sign these people and then they don't try to sign these people. That's well, and yeah, and the the whole uh, expectations thing. You know, Mark Cuban, he came in, and I think it was some Texas alumni club or something. He was, which <laughs> we've talked about this with our buddy Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball. It's like, why is Mark Cuban out there giving the offseason strategy to like a Texas alumni club, a Rotary club, whatever? <laughs> like, like it, it seems like that that's something you would, uh, you would either not say at all or something you would, you know, give to a, an actual. Mavs insider or something. So that's what's frustrating. He came out and said, look, we need a second score. We need secondary playmaking. And they went after it with Kyle Lowry. But then when the Kyle Lowry stuff fell through, it's just like they threw their hands up and it's just like, oh, well, I guess if we can get Goran Dragic, uh, Dragic on a uh, buyout, you know, that'll be okay. But if not, we're just not going to do anything else. And that that's what's frustrating because, you know, the, you listed this as the offseason's top priority, and here we are past the first full week of free agency, and, you know, the dust is settling. There's, there's not much else to do uh, except unless you want to just make some moves around the margins, uh, and they haven't addressed what was their top priority. So 
I mean, yeah, it's you, you hate to see people going after fans uh, on Twitter voicing disappointment and saying, and the thing I hate the most is like, oh, well, you need to be grateful that you have Luca. You shouldn't be mad at anything. I mean, I hate that so much. <laughs> I mean, Luca is amazing, and I'm so glad that uh, he's he's in Dallas and everything. But the, the part of the reason everybody is frustrated is because they've seen the type of load that Luca's had to carry the last two years, and he put up 46 points, 14 rebounds, and seven assists in a game seven against the Clippers, and they lost by 15. That's why people are frustrated. We appreciate Luka. We want him to stay here longer than this next <laughs> next rookie contract. That's why people are upset. And I hate that, you know, some of the, the bigger Mavs uh, personalities are out there trying to basically censor Mavs Twitter because well, we're also we're also not going to sit here and you, you know Dalton's the the biggest you know uh, Mavs fan there is. I mean he's but but he's also objective. I'm objective. I'm a Mavs fan too. You know we we, we all can be objective. We're not going to sit here. We're not employed by the Mavericks. We're not going to sit here and and be mouthpieces for the organization like some of these other people are. We're going to try and tell you how we feel about it. And I think all of us are pretty much in agreement that they didn't do enough again. And that is, that is why we're, we're allowed to be frustrated. We're allowed to, to voice our concerns. And if, until they start doing things that will, you know, actually help this franchise take the next step forward, then we're going to keep bitching and moaning because that's our right as fans. And as, as, as journalists, we're going to continue to be objective about it. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, don't get me wrong. I, I will say that the Mavs have improved this offseason. They have. I mean, that's just that's just the facts of the matter because Reggie Bullock improves his team. Sterling Brown, he's just going to be a rotation player, but, you know, he on paper seems to improve the team. Uh, they traded Josh Richardson, which is addition by subtraction, even if they hadn't gotten anything back. And they got back Moses Brown, who is on an insanely cheap deal, and he's only 21. So uh, he has some promise to him. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, in all reality, you ended up trading Seth Curry for Moses Brown, though. Uh, so, I mean, overall, yeah, the, the Mavs have improved. It's just as far as the expectation stuff goes, I don't feel like like people around the Mavs, I don't feel like they can be upset at the fan base being disappointed when, you know, Mark Cuban is giving the expect or setting the expectations the way he does beforehand. I, I just think I think that's where it starts. If he doesn't say, you know, adding a second score, adding a, a secondary playmaker is our top priority. And then we're over a week, or we're 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 a full week into fr- when free agency open, and that hasn't been done. Uh, I mean that that's what's frustrating about it. And there's not there's not a lot of options really, but I mean there there's moves out there that you could have made to address you know that that situation. Like they report reportedly they didn't even really try for Spencer Dinwiddie, and after looking at his final numbers with the uh, with the incentives that are that are built in, he's really only guaranteed three years, forty five million dollars. After those, if you take away those those incentives, so forty five million is the only 
guaranteed money in that three-year deal. So I'm not saying that I was like huge on the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, but he would have definitely helped and it would have been like, oh, okay, that fits into what Mark Cuban said was the top priority. So uh, Grant, I know we kind of rambled on there, but uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the Reggie Bullock and the Sterling Brown? Well, I think when you're just looking at them individually as players, they definitely help. And I think replacing the spending power that you were dedicating to Josh Richardson, uh, who you hope to fill an actual 3 and D role with a guy who can fulfill the three part uh, of that 3 and D label is helpful for sure. I think just, you know, going back to what you guys were just talking about, I think the frustration definitely is justifiable when you're talking about like uh, adding a secondary ball handler with size being a primary goal. And then, you know, you don't quite get it done. Like, did they get better this offseason? Yes. Uh, could some matchups in a potential first-round playoff series be problematic still? Yes. So that's kind of the situation where I see. And as far as the Goran Dragic situation goes, Matt mentioned, or he, he kind of insinuated that the Mavs aren't willing to, you know, let Dwight Powell go to get him. I don't think that's the case. I think if it was literally just Dwight Powell and maybe a second-round pick, future second, they would do that in a heartbeat. I think it's more of Toronto. They probably want more than that because they, the, they know the Mavs need that secondary playmaker. They know that, uh, you know, Luka and Igor and uh, – Dragic, they have that connection. They want to play together. So they have some leverage there. And I feel like they're asking for more than than just, you know, I'm not, and where, do, where am I at on that? Am I correct in that, you know, the Mavs would probably trade Dwight Powell immediately for just Dragic straight up? I feel like the Raptors are asking for I would think that that would be the case. I think uh, just looking at some of the other situations, like I know Kyle Lowry is a different, um, you know, circumstance at the trade deadline when, you know, Miami was unwilling to put some of their young guys uh, in a package to get him. Uh, Toronto just decided, you know, we're just going to let it run into free agency instead. So I I could see, you know, like they don't do buyouts uh, usually. And, um, you know, they have a history of, you know, not taking a bad deal just for the sake of dealing a guy. So I could definitely see where maybe just not enough, uh, you know, assets are being applied in a trade package for sure is probably. And one trade I could see because it's a team that has just a, a ton of assets and yet there's, they still have to find a way to meet the salary floor uh, before the off season's over is Oklahoma city thunder. You know, I wonder if there could be a trade there where, you know, uh, the Raptors get something to where it sends Dragic to OKC, uh, they meet their salary floor, they buy him out like they did Kimba, and then he makes his way to Dallas. I mean, is that a viable option in your opinion? I think, honestly, uh, Oklahoma City would probably look more towards taking on a bad contract while getting on an asset to meet the floor. Uh, as opposed to having to give up some assets or an asset to get Dragic to then buy him out. I think uh, um, other teams who need another pick-and-roll ball handler and just another off-the-ball threat who can attack uh, off the catch within the flow of an offense, I think there will be a market for Dragic beyond Dallas, and I think that uh, is another reason Toronto could look to just hang on to him and play it out longer and wait for you know a potential injury for – uh, you know, some teams ball handler goes down or, you know, something like that. Like there will be a market later on if they hold on for sure. 
And since there will be a market for him, it really doesn't it really doesn't make sense why they're just basically the Mavs are saying we're not going to trade for him. <laughs> because it's like their their other options are kind of dwindling here, Grant. They don't really have much else to, <laughs> to 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 go for. So I don't understand why they're being so cheap. I mean, I know they don't want to give up both, probably both of like Tyrell Terry and uh, Josh Green, and you know maybe a pick or whatever the whatever the heck the Toronto Raptors are asking for. But there has to be some kind of middle ground there. I mean, maybe maybe they can work something out before. The- yeah, it's definitely something to watch and something to just continue to re-engage on because, uh, yeah, like as the chat says, New Orleans was another market that was linked to him, and I think there will be other teams uh, that pop up as uh, you know injuries happen, as we're just discussing, and uh, things play out uh, naturally, like other players underachieve, things of that nature. I think uh, waiting too long is probably not the right move, just getting something done, uh, knowing that you can probably have confidence in the fact that the Doncic and the Igor Koshkov connections would uh, entice Dragic to stay after the expiring contract that he's playing on ends uh, should give you more reason to pull the trigger on a potential trade in, in my We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, look, uh, we've kind of we've rambled on here for about twenty five minutes now. Matt, he had to go. He's doing some stuff with uh, his uh, Texas A and M site that he runs, and uh, so now I'm going to bring up some speakers. And again, guys, if you want to come up, we'll bring you up. Just make sure if you're not speaking to make sure it's on mute, and we'll get you up here one by one. So, okay, first up is Jimmy Russell. Jimmy, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Dalton? Uh, I'm doing pretty good for a Sunday afternoon. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got a few things here. Um, been a math fan for 20 years or so now, and I'm just tired of it. No more hopes up for me in the offseason. I think that's really what's getting Matt's Twitter going is, you know, they were strapped, you know, by, by not doing something this offseason, same as 2019. 
we're really strapped for the next three, four off seasons with Luca's extension. Um, to me, it was really our last chance to be a top team and start to get some of these buyouts and the vets that want to come. And, you know, if we would have added a Lowry or a ball or Dinwiddie or DeRozan, you know, I really feel like that would have helped a lot. But, um, yeah, the reluctancy to trade Josh Green, you know, the front office didn't even draft them, you know, <laughs> it, I, I just don't get it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but, you know, to me, another last thing is KP has got to go, you know, there's, to me, there's no fixing him. I don't think kid can fix it, him defensively. Offense, you know, I know he's still average twenty and nine, but it's frustrating on defense, you know, uh, to, to have him out there and get blown by and not be able to post up the small guys and things like that. So, really, I know it's a lot of things that everybody's feeling, but it's just it's just frustrating. Yeah, and Jimmy, I, there's uh, just to start with your your first point there. There's really only. There's only so much the Mavs can do when they actually chase guys. I mean, they can't force guys to take their money. And I think it was Tim Cato that put on Twitter the other day, it's not like the individual stuff just this offseason that that a lot of people are upset about. It's the overall strategy. It's the big picture stuff. It's the fact that, you know, it's a brand, supposedly, you know, brand new front office and Nico's supposed to be in charge and, they're still putting uh, a lot more emphasis on free agency than what they probably should, given uh, the the huge sample size we've seen of that just not being a a real way for the Mavs to improve significantly over the years. You know, they they really need to be doing it by draft and by trade. And I mean, one excuse you could give this year, and I know people aren't interested in hearing excuses, but the uh, one excuse that they did have this year is they had no draft picks at all. Uh, they could have traded for some, but, you know, everybody knows what kind of situation the Mavs are in right now. And all these teams are likely trying to bend them over a barrel, <laughs> just, to put it, just to put it nicely. So, I mean, there's really, in my opinion, for his first offseason, I feel like Nico Harrison uh, did okay. Uh, it wasn't anything that, you know, it wasn't splashy. It wasn't something that, uh, most people are going to acknowledge right now because of all the, the failures that have happened in the past. But in my opinion, I feel like he had a, I feel like he had a fine off season for his first one. And I'm interested to see how he values the draft going forward. Because again, they didn't have any, they didn't have any picks this year. They, they'll have their first round pick next year. Uh, they'll really have some flexibility after, you know, after either the restrictions get lifted or the pick conveys to New York in 2023. So it'll be interesting to see how he approaches it from there. But, uh, and then just uh, going off of this, the second thing you said there, I mean, I don't know that they were unwilling to, to trade Josh Green. I just, I feel like it just has to be something. It has to be something worthwhile for them. I don't think it because in in the Mavs' eyes, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, obviously not Tyler Bay because they didn't let him come back, uh, and, and Nate Hinton, they feel like they have something there, and they feel like the combination of last year's uh, COVID situation and they didn't have summer league, and it was a shortened training camp, and you know you had Rick Carlisle who notoriously doesn't play young guys probably as much as he should to, to help him develop. 
I mean, there was there was just a lot of stuff going on there. So they're basically treating that as uh, basically a, a redshirt year for their guys. So they need to see what they have from them this year. And if they have, if they show us a little something, that really helps them out in the asset department. That opens up other trade possibilities because they, you know, if they show that they've got something, they're still on cheap rookie deals and. You know, the same thing with uh, KP, he really has to show something right now to get his trade value up because I don't know, I don't know what they could trade KP for right now. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers can't trade Ben Simmons right now. And we know, I mean, Ben Simmons, he has his issues, but he's a, he's a better player than, than KP is. And, you know, they, I've seen a couple of reported, trade offers for Simmons that they've turned down. And I'm thinking like, man, if, if, if Simmons isn't even going to be traded for that, then, I mean, there's no telling. I mean, you basically just have to give up KP for nothing. But uh, it is disappointing because with the Luca Max contract kicking in next year, and if KP is still on the books, it does take away a lot of flexibility. And really, uh, the main issue was 2019. That's where all of this started. It created an issue uh, each year after that. That's where they really messed up, in my opinion. That's where the uh, the flexibility issues started. So it's something that Nico Harrison has to has to clean up. But like I said, I feel like for his first offseason, he did okay. What do you think? Yeah, I think whenever you go for the uh, the top names that everybody wants and you strike out like Kyle Lowry, uh, there there can be some criticism that him going to Miami should have already been expected with how quick that everything lined up for that before day one even opened up uh, <laughs> tampering. Uh, but uh, aside from that, um, I think you know when you have the cap space, you have to spend it as everyone's kind of been talking about with. Uh, um, you know, you can't just sit and let it burn and then get Lucas deal kick in and not use it. So the Bullock signing, I think, is, is very solid for sure. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. A lot of it is just um, being tied up with the, the trade assets having not the greatest value right now. Like, especially uh, Porzingis, obviously, like how big of a cap uh, hit he has on the books. You can't really maneuver too much. But, you know, also, as everyone has been saying, too, the Spencer Dinwiddie situation and some of those other like like solid value guys that you could have at least signed, whether the fit's perfect or not, um, you could put that aside for the value. Like if you're paying over twenty million per year, that's a different story. But if it's less than that, and you could later use them as a trade chip uh, to get a different player that you like better, then there's value in that as well. So that's kind of where I see the the main criticism for uh, like maneuvering the salary cap. Yeah, and I mean, you, you never know what can come up uh, right before a trade deadline, too. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of big deals, it kind of has to be the perfect storm. You know, you, it, timing is a big thing with that. So, I mean, maybe if some of the, the Mavs trade assets that aren't really as valuable right now in the first half of this next season, if they can show something and you get closer to the trade deadline – Maybe somebody becomes available. You know, maybe the Chicago Bulls situation, even though it looks like they improved a ton and uh, they should definitely be a playoff team. I mean, uh, if that doesn't work out and Zach Levine doesn't sign his uh, his extension and he's going to test the free agency market, you know, they might 
they might look at trading him or something like that. I mean, that that's one of the bigger thing, bigger guys out there. But uh, the point is, uh, you know, you, you don't know what's going to come up. But you have to have your assets ready when stuff like that does come up. And so that's why the best route for the Mavs right now, as, as frustrating as it is to hear, that's the best route for them right now, is to hope that KP having his first healthy offseason pretty much for the first time in his career uh, helps him get back to where he was before that meniscus injury uh, because that that's that's what's going to help them get over the top. That, that would make them a, a fringe contender as is, maybe a true contender if he really plays like to how we expected him to play after the Mavs traded for him. And it also helps in potential, you know, trade options if you if you still decide you want to get rid of him uh, after the fact. So, all right, our next speaker here. I'm not even going to try to say your name because I will butcher it. But uh, is it is it Jaggi? Jaggi? How do you how do you say that? There you go. That's close enough, dog. <laughs> how you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing great. What you got for us? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was kind of going to ask you what you just spent some time on about how I, I'm just curious, you know, Carlisle, I'm not sure how much input he allowed into his coaching style. I mean, he'd obviously been around for so long. He obviously had a had a set pattern, a way of doing things. He didn't seem like the type of guy who really wanted a lot of input anyway, um, you know, with the roster the Mavs already had with having a new GM with having an owner who might not want to spend that much. Um, yeah, I, I basically am just curious. Do you think, which you kind of just said, but you might have some more to elaborate on. Will they invest a lot more in young talent at this point, rather than even someone like a Lowry? Are they going to search out, players that they can develop more than a Carlisle team would have done? It's a good question. And I mean, I, I think they have to, right? I mean, I, yeah. I think that, I think that has to be the approach at this point. Well, uh, and honestly, that's what Mavs Twitter has been, you know, that's what, uh, there's a lot of upset people in the past about the fact that we didn't do that, that we played old people, you know, we had Boban 30 minutes in the playoffs and, um, you know, why, why, obviously the playoffs aren't where you develop people, but still experience is gained. Um, and, and yeah, so that, along with Mavs Twitter, uh, you know, complaining about always failing in free agency, which is totally valid and, and the Mavs have earned that. Um, but along with that, I think there has also been a fair amount of complaining about having new, new people. And so, I mean, uh, you know, to try and see a positive out of it all, hopefully that's something we'll do more is develop younger players, uh, keep a team together longer instead of trading out your Seth Curry's every year, you know, for the next guy you think is going to add the support that Luca needs. Yeah, I mean, and one of the biggest positives from the coaching change, in my opinion, is that, you know, Jason Kidd, he doesn't have any uh, emotional ties to guys like Dwight Powell. Uh, I feel like he will be, it'll be a lot easier for the younger guys to get a chance 
uh, during the regular season under kid than it would be under Rick. Uh, another thing I like about the coaching change is I feel like, I feel like kid will be more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like he'll be more capable of like riding the hot hand. I think that was one of the biggest mistakes in that first round series with the, the Clippers in game three, they got that big lead early. Luca was cooking and he took him out. <laughs> <laughs> he he took him out when there was uh you know he could have just finished out the the first quarter with him and who knows how it would have gone from there but as soon as he took him out the clippers cut uh basically a 20 point deficit down to a couple of buckets at the end of that first quarter and the rest is history so and then for the rest of that series guess what luca played the entire first quarters of of every game the rest of that series so that was that was one of the biggest uh, mistakes of that series that I don't think is talked about enough, but I think it contributed to, you know, what led to an overhaul in the Mavs front office this offseason. But, I mean, like, like I said before, I think they have to take the the younger approach. And look, this is a, this is kind of an, uh, an underrated thing that I, I don't even know if the Mavs are interested in doing it. But, uh, you know, I reported yesterday, I talked to Dennis Smith Jr., uh, the Pistons renounced his rights, so he's an unrestricted free agent now. And he's interested in coming back to Dallas. Like, he wants – and he's wanted to come back to Dallas for a while. You know, people make the the comments that he forced his way out of Dallas and, you know, there was all this – he didn't like Luka. And, I, and I, that that was BS. He's always been close with Luka. Uh, he – you know, it was him, Luka, and Dorian going places together when they were <laughs> – when they were on the road and everything and – they were super close. I mean, there was some, there was some tension with uh, Rick Carlisle that eventually got resolved, you know, after he got traded. But you know, Rick Carlisle is is not here anymore. So, and I mean, I don't understand why people get so upset when you know Dennis Smith Jr. gets brought up. It seems like the fan base is split. Half the fan base would be for him coming back. Half of the fan base does not uh, want him to come back. But I mean, it's really just not that big of a deal. So I don't know why people are even upset about it because if he does come back, it's either on like a one-year minimum deal or he's just a camp invite. And, you know, if it works out and he makes the roster, great. If it doesn't, no big deal. You know, I I don't understand why people get so upset at the idea of that happening. I would be all for it, especially if the Mavs don't do anything else, you know, to address what their, their main priority was at the beginning of this summer. Yeah, I think if it doesn't take a lot of investment, then I think it's definitely worth taking a shot on guys who have uh, or were thought of as having high potential, especially since he has that connection with Luka Doncic, as you said, because you know way more about that than me. So, I mean, if that like that being the case, I think it's worth a shot. And it's not like people are saying come in and make him the starting point guard, the sixth man. Like even if you you give him like a very very low minimum or whatever you want to call it uh, type of contract. If he comes in and you know just works hard and beats out the third for the third spot or takes the backup role or something, I think it's worth worth a shot. Like a you're not really investing that much into it. And I mean honestly, um, I, I guess I could see the counter argument though, uh, like talking it out loud because you also have Tyrell Terry and you have Jalen Brunson who are already in the mix. So I guess if you want to see what they've got and already are satisfied with the 
you know, see what these uh, sort of uh, prospects can provide, then I guess it may not make the most sense. So I guess it really just depends on if you end up pulling the trigger on a Dragic trade down the line, you have to throw in one of those guys like a Tyrell Terry or something, not saying they would have to, but, you know, just speaking out loud, uh, if you clear out one of those spots, then I could see that being a solid filler option as like a third point. Goal. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it, it doesn't even have to be like a, like a fully guaranteed deal either. I mean, you could, you could essentially, cause you can bring 20 players to camp. You know, if, if he doesn't get signed elsewhere, you know, bring him to camp, you know, see what he's got, kind of compare him with, you know, Tyrell Terry and, uh, you know, the rest of those guys and just see if he's if he's going to make your, your 15-man roster. If not, you know, no hard feelings. Just carry on with what you're going to do. But I just don't think it would hurt to at least try it. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I think it would – I think it's a low, low-risk, potentially high-reward move and it doesn't have to go any further than training camp but that's uh you know that, that that's what I'm looking at when and another thing is I just like hearing that guys want to come play for the Mavs at this point <laughs> like and I, I know people have said oh well you know DSJ he, he'd probably want to go play anywhere right now because you know who's going to sign him all that stuff I mean that's not the case though like he legitimately wants to be in Dallas like he doesn't want to go to Sacramento or you know wherever else, whoever it is that you know might offer him a contract. He wants to be in Dallas, and uh, I see somebody in the chat here said it's the same thing with Lori Markinen. Yeah, I mean same thing. If if Markinen ended up in Dallas, that'd be great because it's been reported in the past that he actually wants to be in Dallas. That's the thing. Uh, if guys want to be here. And they have any any sort of potential, and you know you have any kind of familiarity with them, and all that. I mean, if they can potentially play, and it's low risk, and all that, I just don't I don't see how it can hurt to at least uh, bring a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. to camp. I don't see how it could hurt to make a play for Laurie Markkinen, even though you might not be able to reach the the Chicago Bulls price for a sign and trade type of deal. So, uh, okay. Next speaker, we got Sabe. I think I'm saying that right. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Doing great. What you got? Um, I guess overall, just thoughts on the free agency and stuff. I I think I'm coming around to it just because I let out all my anger like the first couple of days of it. Um, honestly, if Cuban talked less and they did what they did, it would still be an okay. Um, I guess I would give him like a C plus just because I liked Hardaway's deal. Um, maybe improve like 10 to 15%. Um, and that was pretty much, yeah, that, that was pretty much um, all that I could see him doing. I would love for them to add marketing, um, especially if it meant getting off Dwight, which I don't really know how much they would want to do. Um, and then overall, uh, none of this like makes me mad as much as just, and I know it's because they worked for Cuban and stuff. Um, and the whole, like had a whole conversation with Coop Um we get just just the whole response from them about how we should appreciate and be happy because we have Luca. I drafting Luca was great, but Luca was still a consensus top three player in that draft. Drafting him at number three wasn't some huge reach or anything. And like we love Luca, like we're crazy enough to wake up at three a.m. to watch him play. Type love Luca. So I don't think any the 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 criticism for Mavs fans to want more for Luca. 
doesn't make much sense when we're criticizing the front office. Like, we love this guy. We want more for him. Um, but yeah, I love Mark and if we could get him. Just it, forget the fit. Talent is talent. And at the very worst, if he plays well enough, we can flip him for something that's better. Um, but yeah, um, overall. And then funny thing is, I don't know if it was just because he had like crazy low expectations, but it's, it's funny how some of your optimism has been kind of rubbing off on Kurt because he, he wasn't that mad about this free agency. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like because uh, me, uh, me and Kurt talk pretty much every day or every other day, and uh, me, him, and Matt, we've had a, a group DM on Twitter for the longest time now, and uh, <laughs> I'm always trying to – I'm always trying to level him out a little bit, and I, I do think I'm starting to rub off rub off on him a little bit there. But uh, I mean, yeah, look, the the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is the expectations that are set. Like if if we take out, if we completely forget what Cuban said before this off season started, and we are just we're just grading the maps off season based on what you know what happened, and we don't have those expectations. I probably give them a B minus because I mean I really do. Aside from the fact that they have, uh, you know, five six bigs on the roster that they definitely still need to address. The off season isn't over yet, but you know the majority of it is. And for the moves that they have made, I would probably give them a B minus because I, I just I really like the Tim Hardaway Jr. resigning. I really like the Reggie Bullock signing. I think he's like very very underrated. Uh, I think he's going to be more of what you know people people thought that they were trading uh, Seth Curry for and Josh Richardson. I think he's going to really be that true three and D guy now uh, that'll help out a bunch. I feel like adding. I feel like just having Reggie Bullock instead of Josh Richardson in that Clippers series could have been what put the Mavs over the top and would have avoided going to a game seven in that series. I mean. You can be a revisionist about everything, pretty much, but I mean that's that's just how I see it. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just given the expectations that were set, uh, given some of the moves that you see some of these other teams doing, uh, it, it is kind of disappointing. But overall, it wasn't a bad off season for the Mavs. Uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't nearly what people thought it would be. Yeah, and I agree with you on the on the Reggie signing. Um, I think whenever one of the Knicks uh, guys said that he ended up, he was the one that guarded the other team's best player throughout the season. And I know Tibbs' defenses are good in general, but that's one positive. So I kind of see him as slightly better than Dorian. And then um, what's his name? Uh, who else did they sign? Uh, Sterling Brown. Yeah, Sterling Brown, just slightly worse, or maybe a little bit more than slightly worse than um, Dorian. So having three Dorians is never a bad thing. So that that's one positive uh, part of this offseason. That I- yeah, yeah, and I mean, look the the guys the guys that are most happy to see the signing uh, the signing of Reggie Bullock is <laughs> Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba because. If those two guys are still on the roster when the season starts, I mean, uh, there has just been so much responsibility put on the shoulders of Finney Smith and Kleba the last two years. And it'll be great to have another guy, potentially, you know, Brown too, uh, you know, that can you can throw out there. And it's not just the full burden on those, on those two people. Uh, so that'll be great too. And then, like I said earlier, uh, you've got the – You've got the three-point shooting that pretty much tops the Mavs roster right now, so that doesn't hurt either. Okay, uh, let's see. 
Next up, we got our guy Christian. Uh, let's see. Well, that did not work. All right, moving on to the next one. We got Ike. Ike, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Dalton? How's you doing? I'm today? doing great, man. What you got for us? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. Um, I, I pretty much echo kind of the sentiments. Like the signings were uh, this offseason were good. Um, I, I have no complaints. Uh, I think one of the things that's being missed out too is, you know, with the kind of the um, with Carlisle being gone and. You know, I've been kind of screaming at the top of my lungs for us to get some more size on the wing. And and we've done that, you know, Bullock being 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, Sterling Brown going at 6'5", you know. We're not going to see a lot of these, <laughs> the water bugs or, you know, the small com- combo guards that Rick Carlisle seemingly had an affinity for guarding, you know, the, you know, the Paul Georges of the world and things of that sort. So, um, you know, that's a definite you know, definite plus and it's going to help us. And, you know, there's different ways to improve the team and improving on the margins is, is definitely needed as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think you just referenced it just previously how, you know, yeah, it, you know, it's been, we're two weeks into free agency and, you know, it, it seems like pretty much everything is done, but, you know, it's, it's still off season. And I just kind of refuse to believe that they're, they're done. Even looking at the roster now, you know, we have a big glut of, you know, centers. And I guess that's kind of one of my questions is, one, what do you think um, is going to happen in that instance? Because, you know, with today's game, yes, there's still a need for centers, but there's even more so a need for big guys that um, are a little more versatile as far as being able to at least um, defend some on the perimeter, especially when you're think- thinking about pick and roll defense. Um, and we just have a big glut of centers that cannot do that, uh, whether it's the Moses Brown, uh, Boban, uh, even KP to an extent. Now, again, we're, we're banking on him improving this offseason. But what we've seen the past two years is that, you know, he can't really do that. And, you know, there's been the argument, the debate, oh, is KP a five? Is he a power forward? Uh, KP's a center until further notice. So um, what do you think they're um, – what could possibly happen there, if anything, and what do you think would be a, a nice, uh, uh, I guess, low-cost flyer? I know that you threw out uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who I probably wouldn't mind as well, but what about, uh, you know, another kind of big man with a low versatility, such as maybe like a Jared Vanderbilt, who's um, a restricted free agent for... Well, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, I'll let Grant take this one, but uh, you, you mentioned, I mean, we've talked about it uh, throughout this pod already, and you just referenced it there, Ike. But, you know, it, it feels like there has to be at least one more move before the end of the offseason, given how many bigs are on the roster. I mean, I, I just, I, I would be shocked if the Mavs go into this season and they still have that this many bigs. I mean, I, that's just that's just how I feel about it. I, I don't I don't think they can do it. Uh, and not have some kind of backlash <laughs> from Mavs Twitter. Uh, but Grant, as far as the the big man overage that they have, I mean, do you think that there's something that could be had with the Laurie Markinen situation, given that Chicago could probably use a, a little bit of front court? 
I definitely think it's worth uh, taking a look at uh, if the money's right. I think overspending for marketing uh, would, would be a little bit of a mistake considering, you know, the lack of foot speed that he has. And if uh, he were to share the floor with KP during stretches and games, it'd be a little bit of an issue. But if you're getting a good deal, um, then it's a different story because the shooting definitely would help because you, you can't have too much of high-level shooting. But uh, I definitely think there needs to be some consolidation with the amount of centers. As you guys have said, there's too many that don't have versatility defensively. And, um, yeah, I just think uh, KP has to be a five, uh, like just the way the game has gone, like series against the Clippers. Uh, you pretty much are stuck with a zone uh, that doesn't work uh, if he's not at the five, if you played small ball types of teams. And most teams are trending in that direction. And, yeah, so if you don't really feel he is a five, then that's a bigger, you know, side, side topic about uh, what you have to do in that situation. But that's pretty much how I yeah, I mean, I, I kind of view marketing as KP insurance, you know, so I, I wouldn't want them to, to overpay for him, definitely. But uh, And he doesn't even have to be a starter. You know, he could come off the bench, I suppose. I don't know I don't know what his preference is. But, uh, I mean, I when I say preference, I mean, like, I don't know if he has a problem coming off the bench or not. But uh, I, I could see him as just like an insurance policy for KP. And... I saw our guy Scott. He goes by CBA, uh, yeah, CBA Mavs on Twitter, and uh, you know he, he's been putting out a lot of stuff lately. I was going to ask him, but Grant, you may know. Uh, do the I mean, do the Mavs still have that that ten million or a little over ten million dollar trade exception? Uh, I'm not an expert on CBA uh, related stuff, but um, I think they do. Uh, just following his Twitter feed, I, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, so. I don't. I don't want. To, I don't want to be wrong and then have people say, "Oh, you know, you know, he uh, didn't say that." But uh, I feel like they do. Um, I think uh, in this instance, the sign and trade is a perfect application of it. If you can fit his contract, uh, like the salary for the upcoming season, under that limit, because uh, you can't use it just to sign a new player. So that's really the only like unique sort of uh, fit that you can get it if he's willing to take under that that threshold. Yeah, I, I think that would be the ideal situation uh, for the Mavs if they were to get in on marketing because uh, I saw something about, uh, you know, there were some rumbles about the, the Pelicans uh, looking into it, and they have like a $17 million trade exception, so they could probably give him more money that way. But uh, the Chicago Bulls were looking for a first-round pick being sent back, and then you have the Pelicans. They already traded a first-round pick for Devontae Graham, so – uh, people are and people are kind of like disappointed with what the Pelicans like. If you if if, <laughs> if we think Mavs Twitter is upset, uh, you know, with what the Mavs have done this off season, there are so you know I live about two and a half uh, or two hours away from New Orleans, and so like I, I'm probably surrounded by more Pelicans people than anything else. And I mean, there's a lot of people that just are not happy about what the what the Pelicans have done so far. So I feel like if they ended up overpaying for marketing plus trading a first, there would be some rioting. <laughs> I agree. And I think uh, another factor to take into consideration, too, is I guess uh, I just remember, too, uh, for a sign and trade to even be possible, you'd have to have three years. And that would be uh, like under that, like as a chat saying, under that uh, $10.9 million. Uh, threshold would be unlikely considering you'd have to commit to taking that amount for or a similar amount with like gradual raises 
for that long a period of time. And I just don't see that happening. I think I, if I were in that situation, uh, I'm not really sure what his thinking on that is, obviously, but I would just probably take the qualifying offer in Chicago and just roll with, with uh, you know, whatever comes my way as an unrestricted free agent next offseason. Because he will have a – I believe he will have a no-trade clause taking the uh, qualifying offer if he goes back to Chicago on that. So I, that, that's kind of why I think marketing may be, uh, you know, an unrealistic option or maybe something they haven't pursued as aggressively or really at all, um, like why we haven't heard about it pretty much. So I guess that's some context to take into yeah, and I mean we're we're far enough into free agency now to where if you did just want to take a chance on a on an offer sheet for a guy, I mean now would kind of be the time to do it because it doesn't matter if you're waiting <laughs> two or three days uh, for the incumbent team to match or not. And I mean uh, they could just call Chicago's bluff because obviously marketing does not want to be there. Uh, he has voiced his opinion that he doesn't want to be there. He wants a change of scenery. Uh, it would be, I mean, maybe, maybe the Bulls, you know, still match whatever offer, uh, he ends up signing with another team, but I mean, he could call their bluff and maybe you get a steal (laughs) in restricted free agency. So maybe that's a, a play that people can make, uh, or, you know, the Mavs or whoever ends up signing him to an offer sheet. Maybe they just, uh, take the bluff there. So, all right, guys. Look, we are we are right up against an hour here now. Uh, I'm going to bring up one more speaker, and then uh, if you didn't get to speak, uh, definitely come back next time, and we'll try to start a little bit earlier. Uh, we started bringing up speakers about 30, 30 minutes into this one, but uh, Christian, we tried to have him up earlier, and we had some technical difficulties. But Christian, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Are you able to hear me? Oh yeah, yeah, we're good, man. What you? Yeah, it was weird. It was, uh, you know, I thought I was on stage and then it didn't go up. I turned my phone off and I was up here. But, you know, I appreciate you guys as always having me up. I think, you know, I'm disappointed as a lot of us are just kind of based on expectations. And, you know, I guess I'll start out with the with the good. And I'm interested to see kind of uh, your takes. And, you know, I hope I'm not being redundant, but um the positives, I think, you know, Reggie Bullock is a fantastic corner three shooter. He's a good defender. Um, and I think, you know, when when we notice KP's awful defense over the past year, a lot of that falls on kind of the perimeter defenders just not being able to kind of hold up. And I think uh, Reggie's signing should ultimately help KP rather significantly um i love sterling brown as a cheap signing that's a actual rotational piece um provides the some depth that we desperately needed but into the obvious negatives um just not getting a secondary ball handler is kind of inexcusable knowing that that's the priority um but i'm interested in do you guys think that KP like Reggie can really kind of revitalize KP um, on the defensive end and just adding that uh, defensive talent on the perimeter can be helpful. And the second follow-up to that is what do you guys think? Like how much better do you think we are? Because next year Kawhi's out, 
you know, the Warriors didn't kind of make the moves that they wanted as it pertains to Bill, et cetera. Um, I really don't like the Russ move, but I mean, I'm as a Laker hater, I'm fine with it. Do you think this just gets us to the second round? Do you think we kind of are in the same place? Or do you think we can actually contend with this? Well, I mean, good stuff is always, Christian. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think the roster improved. Uh, like I said, I, I, I mean, it's not it, – it wasn't like a huge, huge step, like if you would have added a Kyle Lowry, but they definitely improved. And, you know – there's a lot of there's a there's a lot to be said for like uh, in team improvement because I mean as much as we talk about how great Luca is and how great he's been and we saw what he just did in the Olympics they came just short of uh, a bronze medal there uh, shout out to Josh Green he got himself a bronze medal <laughs> but uh, you know Luca he's only 22 years old he's still going to continue to get better. Uh, you know, last year with the with all the COVID stuff, they had the you know a good chunk of their team out for like two or three weeks. Uh, with Luca starting the season out uh, kind of out of shape and not in rhythm, that shouldn't be an issue this year. You know, with with all the issues that they had last year, uh, with Josh Richardson not really working out for them and everything, they still found a way, and it was via tiebreaker but they still found a way to be the fifth seed in the West. And like you said, Kawhi Leonard, he's not going to be playing for the Clippers this year. Uh, you know, the Clippers, they, they tried to sign DeMar DeRozan. They weren't able to. Uh, so, I mean, I could definitely see them taking a step back. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I feel like the Mavs definitely improved. I think their, their new guys are going to help a lot. And then hopefully you can get some growth from the guys you already have on the roster, like, uh, like Luca and Brunson and uh, the younger players that basically that pretty much didn't get a real opportunity to contribute last year. Any kind of con- contribution you get from those guys is going to be a big help. And then, of course, you have the KP situation. Uh, I mean, what what is he going to look like after finally having a healthy offseason and not having to rehab for once? You know, he spent all of last uh, of the shortened offseason – uh, last year after the bubble, rehabbing his meniscus. He missed part of the, the start of the season. He probably came back too soon from that. Uh, and then he had to work himself into game shape and try to get in the rhythm and all that stuff. So he's finally going to come into the season healthy this year. Uh, he's had a chance to work on his game for once instead of just rehabbing. And, uh, I mean, maybe that makes a big difference. And then, like you said, adding a guy like Reggie Bullock and – uh, Sterling Brown, just kind of just adding to your depth there, adding a, a, a good defender, a good three-point shooter uh, next to him in the starting lineup. Maybe he helps him out a good bit too. But uh, just specifically, Grant, what do you think about how Reggie Bullock could help uh, KP play? Yeah, I definitely think there's value in having another wing player that can stay in front of their, their man on the perimeter. But I think Bottom line is that his movement out in space, uh, KP's that is, is going to have to get better uh, since uh, really no matter who you have out on the perimeter, guys are going to get beat uh, with the way the spacing works uh, and how tough it is to stay in front of players in general. And a lot of pressure is on that anchor to cover that up. And, you know, he struggled off the switches. 
off of the, um, you know, just guarding out in space, uh, like running out the shooters, all that sort of thing, and containing dribble penetration. Um, so I think that's going to have to improve no matter what, because there will be times, especially the playoffs, when, you know, whatever you do to cover that up in the regular season, it, it's, it's like, it's just going to have to have to be better than it was in the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, look, that, again, like I mentioned earlier, I know everybody's frustrated. Uh, I know it, it it didn't live up to expectations uh, the way, you know, uh, given what Mark Cuban said beforehand, what was the primary goal, they still haven't really addressed that yet, but, you know, the offseason's still going. We'll see what happens with the Goran Dragic situation and uh, some other smaller deals that could be made uh, as we approach next season, but... Uh, just try to enjoy it, guys. Try try to enjoy the rest of uh, the rest of this time where nothing's happening, uh, because <laughs> seems like every time something does happen, it, it's a little underwhelming and everybody gets even more frustrated. So let's just try to enjoy the downtime for now, uh, at least until Luca signs that that supermax, and then then I know there's a lot of people that are kind of worried that. He might not accept that. I don't think that's the case. He's 100% going to sign it, uh, and then everybody can breathe, and you know we'll see what they can do uh, before the start of the season, which is, I think, training camp, if I'm not mistaken, Grant, is about 36, 35 or 36 days away. Uh, NBA Summer League just got underway, so uh, you know it, it's, it's coming up fast. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a short offseason. Um, and I mean that's probably a good thing for Luca because, like I said earlier, he was he, he started the season kind of out of shape last year, and he just finished up an incredible Olympic run, and he should be ready to go. From- Absolutely, and I think uh, I saw uh, uh, an NBA writer that I follow, Shane Young. He uh, put out that there's 72 days until opening night. Like that's that's crazy to think about. They're only like what less than two and a half months away. That's yeah, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, it feels like the finals just ended, and now we're already jumping into summer league. And once that's over, you know, we'll be closer and closer to training camp, and then preseason, and then you're off and running again. So it's coming up quick, guys. Uh, that's going to do it for another episode from us today. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to go leave us a review because we're giving away T-shirts. Uh, you're automatically automatically entered for a chance to win a t-shirt if you go leave us a review there and put your twitter ad or instagram at some kind of social media uh ad for us to get in touch with you if you do win one uh and yeah we appreciate it guys be sure to go like rate and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms and we hope you enjoy the rest of your sunday evening and we hope you have a great week we'll see you next time let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.